From the gray homestead in the heart of the Ozarks, this is Front Porch Anarchast. We're spreading the ideas of freedom and liberty from the front porch one episode at a time. Front Porch Anarchast. Freedom starts on your own front porch. And this episode starts now. I heartily accept the motto that government is best which governs least. Carried out, it finally amounts to this, which also I believe, that government is best which governs not at all. And you're listening to yet another episode of Front Porch Anarchast. Tonight I'm coming to you from inside the Gray Homestead Studios here in southwest Missouri. This is uh, this is day seven of the Corona lockdown for me. I haven't left the homestead now in seven days. Going a little bit stir crazy here, I guess you would say. Not really. I've got my family here, and uh, I've spent more time than this alone, like actually alone. So not really going stir crazy, but this whole Corona thing is really um, grinding my gears. So I really wanted to have a special episode about the um, about the hysteria around this coronavirus and the, um, the state's response to it. So I reached out and, uh, and Jared from the Voluntary Contrarian podcast was nice enough to have a conversation with me, give some of his opinions and, and um, what he thinks about the about the current situation. So tonight's a milestone on Front Porch Anarchast. As you know, I normally don't have guests. This is my first guest, actually, so um, I hope you enjoy it. I'm just going to play it on through, talk to you on the other side. All right, so tonight is a special episode of Front Porch Anarchast. Tonight I have my first ever guest on the show, and I'm very happy to introduce Jared. He is with the Voluntary Contrarian podcast. Uh, it's a it's a podcast that I've listened to. Um, I believe I've listened to every episode of it, and I'm looking forward to more. Um, so, uh, how are you doing tonight, Jared? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it very much. Oh, not a problem. Um, what I was hoping we could talk talk tonight about is the um, the lockdown, the uh, coronavirus lockdown uh, that we all seem to be experiencing. I'm not really sure how bad it is in your part your part of the country. Uh, in my part of the country, it seems that uh, that all the counties have have uh, banned all non-essential businesses from from operating. The problem I see with that is is they're also claiming everything is essential. So that's just a, a brief uh, <laughs> outline, the a brief outline of what I would like to talk about tonight. But feel free to talk about anything you want to, any way it goes. You know that would be uh, whatever you want to talk about. Maybe you could start with telling us a little bit about your podcast and who you are. Um, well, I'm I'm an old guy. <laughs> I'll be turning 50 actually uh, two days from now, so I'm kind of a 
I'm, I'm kind of really appreciating the fact that I'm still 40, at least for the next two days, and I'm not looking forward to 50. Um, but uh, anyway, I, my wife and I live uh, in Washington State, and um, we actually we now have three German Shepherds. We inherited one a few days ago, so that's been exciting for the, the household. Um, if those people with the German Shepherds know what I'm talking about, they're they're excellent dogs, but they can be kind of um, a little neurotic from time to time. Um, let's see, what can I say? My podcast, I started, I think it was a year ago in January. So I think I'm a year and a couple months now. Although I haven't put out a podcast in probably three months now, I think. I uh, kind of went through some stuff at work that... Uh, Kind of, kind of threw me off that for a while, and and plus I was kind of feeling like, um, like I had in one of my shows, I spoke about kind of the uh, the echo chamber type uh, effect I thought that I was having. It just seemed like I was my shows were just for other libertarians, other anarchists, and voluntarists, and they weren't really being found by anybody else who was new to. The, uh, the philosophy but as we talked about earlier before we, we started recording um, which actually kind of gave me a little bit more um, enthusiasm was we were discussing how different people's uh, approach and delivery of the tenets or philosophies of voluntarism, libertarianism or anarchism each person kind of finds something in each podcasters delivery that they might appreciate more than a different one so if i can land my the way that i produce information of a certain topic is more it appeals to people in a certain way more than someone else i believe we're each doing our part to to bring in more people to our our you know uh, non-aggression message and to spread the basically the disdain for the state. <laughs> um, so I appreciate our conversation earlier, and I, it actually makes me want to get off my ass and do something else because there's tons of things to talk about these days, and I, I feel like I'm kind of behind the behind the ball right now. So I better start writing some stuff. Well, you know, spring is here, so maybe things will be looking up for you. <laughs> uh, we found that uh, we had a rough winter as well. Uh, we're expecting our third child uh, any day now. I say any day now. It's probably in, within the next two weeks we'll be having our third child. And uh, I'm an old guy, too. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I'm an old guy, too. We waited a very long time before we started a family. Uh, so that that takes a lot of our energy. <laughs> a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. And the winter took out a lot of the energy, too. I can only imagine what it's like with you living up in uh, Washington State. We lived in uh, we lived in Wisconsin for exactly six months, and we bailed out because we didn't like the we didn't like the northern climate. So um, we moved back down here to Missouri. Um, so. Um, yeah, we have two seasons here. We have wet and cold, and we have wet and warm. So there you go. <laughs> we do we do get a full four seasons here. Um, we and and we get a cold season, and we get a hot season, and then we get a couple of days of spring and a couple of days of fall in between. 
and those are enjoyable. The summer's pretty hot, and the winters, we think, are pretty cold. Um, but um, yeah, maybe we'll have to move on to uh, maybe toward the end, if you want, we can move on to. I, I, you obviously have heard your podcast talk about your uh, you garden and you sell mm-hmm. um, some produce. So right, uh, we're actually starting our first garden. This is our. We lived in this house for six months, and just recently, I put in uh, eleven um, about twenty-five foot beds, and um. Yeah, so I got a whole bunch of starts ready to go in the ground right this second, but the beds aren't ready yet, so right. I'm kind of, again, behind the curve on that. The weather just will not seem to stay above freezing consistently. So anyway, that's off topic, but we can go there eventually if you want. Okay, yeah, I'd love to. I've got a whole, uh, I've got two racks of seed starts um, in the other room right now. Um, we've been working on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, um, I, I like what you said about you know trying to reach new people and and maybe not bring them into the non-aggression or liberty movement, but at least you know at least pique their interest a little bit. And through the podcast, I have I have ran across one or two people who um, who do message me on a fairly consistent basis, and they're coming at it from a from a, uh, they were statists and they're kind of on the fence. I'm not taking credit at all for, you know, for, for showing them the way or anything like that. It's just, it was refreshing. I really liked it when you, uh, when you reached out to me. And then, like I said, there's another couple of people who have, who have reached out that were, uh, they're not, they wouldn't consider themselves voluntarists. They wouldn't consider themselves, uh, libertarians. But they do listen to the show, which is great, uh, and I have been able to turn yeah, them definitely. on. I have been able to turn them onto a, a couple of other podcasts. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes the podcasts that they go to aren't uh, aren't exactly my style of voluntarism. So, um, but anyway, you know, uh, we could talk about we could talk about that later. Um, uh, but you know what's what's really been on my mind the the last couple of days is this whole shutdown thing. I don't. So I guess that kind of offsets the uh, the uh, the progress that I thought I was making because here I get a couple of messages from people who might be seeking out a libertarian uh, kind of philosophy. And then I see everybody that is so, so willing to join the collective and shut everything down. Um, I, I, I don't even, you know, I, I don't even know where to start with this. I, I get it. There's a disease. It's affecting a lot of people. I'm just wondering, and, and maybe you have a different view on this. Um, I haven't left the house in six days. It's... It's not really, it's not really because I'm, you know, because I'm afraid of this disease, but I don't have anywhere to go because my job shut down and I live 30 miles outside of town. So, you know, there's really no reason for me to drive in and out. I mean, we have plenty of food and, and, uh, chicken feed and, and dog food. So 
we've just kind of been sitting here and I just see all of these people that are just, they're begging government for more restrictions on their own movement. I mean, they could just stay home if they want to. It, you know, to me, that seems, that seems like the best thing to do. If you, you know, if you feel that's going to help, then stay at home. I'm not sure why, why they want government to lock them down. Yeah, it's definitely a, a complex issue that I've, I've been really putting a lot of thought toward recently. And um, if you go on any type of, you know, whether you go to um, uh, the Drudge Report or Zero Hedge or whether you're on social media, uh, Twitter, there seems to be a, a myriad of different, you know, um, philosophies or theories of, of you know, is this a is this an actual virus that came from China? Is it just because some guy ate a bat? Is it what were they experimenting on animals uh, and then they released the animals to the market to make some money and then they sold these diseased animals? Um, I've heard it's a bioweapon. I've heard it's because of five G. I've heard I've heard I've of, heard the five G. You know, almost everything you can have out there. Yeah. <laughs> And at this point, I'm 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 really not sure what to really think about because I can't like like we said earlier about being black and white, and this is a gray area, and I don't want to 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 come down with um, you know oh I know it for a fact it's this because I don't know what it is right. I don't think anybody knows what well I can't, can't say that I'm sure someone knows what it is, but they're not they're not going to say what it is. Um, as far as the lockdown thing, our Jay Inslee, the uh, governor of Washington, just came out yesterday with a shelter in place or lockdown, which began at five o'clock actually this evening. So it's only been in effect for what four or five hours now. Um, now, my wife is considered as an essential worker. Uh, and she, you know, has the documents to prove it, obviously, because you got to have that. You got to have your papers in order when the Gestapo stops. Right. You. So, um, uh, yeah, but like you said earlier, it seems like everyone's an essential worker. I work in construction. I work in the building trades, um, and I know. Well, I've been off for a little bit now, which has kind of been kind of been nice because, like we talked about earlier, with the, the farming and garden. I've spent a lot of time outside trying to get that going. Um, we we hope to get that going to the point where when we, we retire, it'll actually help us, uh, you know, kind of get into the CSA market with selling right. produce and things like that and, and eggs. But but anyway, back to uh, the COVID topic or the shelter in place topic. It it doesn't seem, at least in the area where, where we live, we live in a we live outside of a very small town in Washington State. And it, it seems like a different kind of culture down here. People aren't that worried about, uh, you know, we don't live in the epicenter, epicenters like uh, King County, which would be Seattle, or Pierce County, which would be Tacoma, um, where they have, you know, 100 or a few hundred or a thousand cases uh, right now. So we feel fortunate that we decided to pull the plug and we moved from up north down to where we live now. Uh, 
just for, it wasn't for that reason alone, but it was for one of the reasons that I kind of felt like, and I'm not trying to say I'm some type of Nostradamus or something, but it just kind of felt like something, I wanted to be out of the city. Right. We wanted to be out of the city for, for no exact reason, but I'm glad we did because this is exactly the incident that I would hope to be out of those, those areas. Uh, so, um, Recently, my, my wife uh, has been uh, working from home, uh, telecommuting, which has been great because she's willing, she's able to, to you know, still make a, a paycheck and stay occupied, stay busy while she's here at the house, and I'm able to do things here while I'm here. Um, so, like you said earlier, you know, we've had a good amount of time to stock up. And like you said, we bought more ch- chicken feed and you know, plenty of dog food for the dogs and, you know, food for ourselves and things like that. Uh, so, so far, because we have a, a nice piece of property or, um, on several, several acres, it seems like we can go outside and you don't see anybody you don't really hear anybody. You might hear a truck or car go by, you know, down the, down the road. But it's kind of the it's the perfect scenario, and I feel bad for people who can't experience that type of you know social distancing that we feel right uh, right now. Now that being said, um, I do. There are days where you know you might not see one person, except for you know your 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 spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gets a little bit. You know, they're like, oh, okay, I can't go down to um, wherever I used to go, you know, to to visit people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, going back to, like I said earlier about this kind of being a, a relaxed place, I would imagine that if I could, I could probably leave tomorrow morning and head down to the grocery store and nobody would, would bat an eye at that because, you know, obviously stores aren't going to be shut down, pharmacies aren't going to be shut down. Um there's a local um, uh, dealership, auto, auto dealership, who said they're not shutting down. Um, so it's like, okay, well, is, there, is it really a shutdown here or is it not a shutdown? Because I'm confused. Um, but besides that, I'm not sure how things are going in larger cities. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really want to experience that myself. No, I, I don't blame you uh, for that one bit. The um, they've been the the local government here has been asking people to stay home, and up until well, well I'm not really sure what time it is now 11:44 um, at 12:01 at 12:01 a.m. tonight um, the county will officially go into a, a shelter in place, and that's when they you know they won't allow any businesses to operate for the next 30 days, and you know, it, unless it's a restaurant or unless it's um, uh, some kind of medical thing, if it's a grocery store, if it's um, construction, any kind of construction is fine. Uh, I know that the that the yeah. home the home improvement stores they're allowing them to stay open. Um, and, and I'm like you: is this a is this a lockdown or a shutdown or is it not? I know the business I work for, it's a it's a nationwide business and they're not going to be allowed to operate. That's going to put a, a crimp uh, 
in everybody's plans because, I mean, there's a lot of people that work there and they're getting shut down nationwide. And if this is going to last for 30 days that they're not that they're not allowed to operate, um, things are going to get hairy for them. You know, and 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 like you said, I don't know what caused this virus. I'm not. You know, I'm not a I'm not a conspiracy guy, but that being said, I don't know if this was engineered. I don't know if it was an accident. I don't know if this was actually somebody eating a bat or a or some other kind of animal. But right now that's not what's important to me. What's important to me is is where we're gonna go from here. You said you had the you have uh, the the luxury of kind of being uh, out we live out of the city, we live out of town, but we live right on a, a road. A, I guess in town they would call it a street. We live right on a street. The people out here, they haven't slowed down whatsoever. They're going, you know, they're still going evidently to work and, and wherever else they're going. Um, so when I hear people talking about, you know, we need a lockdown, I'm, I'm wondering uh, why they just don't stay home. Why are they begging government or the state to lock them down? They're not going to stay home anyway. Um, it's almost like it's just a snow day. Up, up where you're at, they may have uh, you guys may have snow, and you may actually have to shut down the roads and stuff. Down here, we're lucky to get like an inch of of snow at any time. If they forecast snow. They will shut us down. They'll shut down all the non-essential government agencies. They'll close school, and that's just if there's just a if there's just a chance that it might snow. And now what I'm afraid of is that are they going to start shutting things down anytime there's a, a you know when flu season comes around? Are they just going to declare another emergency and and we're going to shut down for that too? You know, I'm just I'm I'm kind of wondering where it might go. And, and that's what something that, that that I thought of, or I probably saw it somewhere. I'm sure I didn't think of it. I'm sure I read it somewhere. But they were talking about the numbers from the flu as far as those who were, who were ill or, or died from, you know, the complications of the flu. And those numbers every year, they eclipse the numbers that we're seeing right now for, right. for COVID-19. Um, but yet you don't see nationwide or global shutdowns every year for flu season, which, you know, I'm not conspiratorial as well, but it makes you kind of wonder why if there's, if there's a less chance of death from the coronavirus than there is from the flu, why, why the big panic and emergency? But Regarding what uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, you know the whole mandate to shut down or shelter in place or stay home or whatever you want to call it, um, that's kind of a touchy one for for me because the way I see it is kind of from the perspective where you have the freedom to move about wherever you choose to go within, obviously as long as you don't violate private property right. laws or private property of other individuals. So if you are a free individual and you are gathering together with other free individuals, you have that right. Um, so 
I, I don't get, on one hand, people were saying, oh, there should be a law, there should be a mandate, there should be uh, the police breaking up these parties or these, uh, yeah, there was a, up in Seattle, there was a beach and apparently a bunch of people were up there hanging out and uh, they had to get the cops involved and, and, and run them out and, to get them to go home or whatever. And so I'm kind of mixed. I understand, obviously, the science behind how viruses spread from person to person. I get that. But and I think we're having a hard time being in the libertarian world where we see both sides. We see the fact that we want to use our brains and go, OK, yeah, we should probably self, you know, you know what do they call it, self-distance ourselves right. from other people. But then the, liber- the libertarian part comes out and goes, well, screw that. I'll go there if I, if I want to. You know, as long as we're all making that voluntary choice, right. then it's no matter but our but our own. But and this is where the whole not rational principle thing comes in because if you decide to go to one of these things and attend, say, uh, you know, I've seen actually there's places that have coronavirus parties or something like that. Mm-hmm. They just kind of they're like scoff laws. They don't really care about you know. They're like, hey, we're going to do what we damn well please. But yet, then you go visit your grandma, and you pass it on to her, and she passes away. Well, then you have a, you have a moral problem right. there now. So that's why I'm saying this is a very complicated thing. It's actually a good test, I believe, for uh, the morality of, of uh, not only myself but, but fellow um, voluntarists to really kind of think about you know, you know where do you stand on this and, and reason it through and why you know what you can kind of glean from. Um, the writings of uh, of past, I'm gonna call them stars, but uh, the, you know the past uh, geniuses that were uh, philosophers, and go, okay, right. where does this fit in? Where you know we have this this conflict between freedom but also protection. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great quandary. I really can't come up with a, a great answer for for the solution though. Right. It's it's like how do you force responsibility on somebody voluntarily? And you know, like like you said, once you once you make that decision that you're going to go to one of these corona parties or or one of these just um I I listen to uh, to the radio show Free Talk Live and they're putting together some kind of a uh, one of those like you were saying screw you kind of parties where they're going to gather uh, more people than they're supposed to have, just just to gather more people than they're supposed to have. Um, but once you go to one of these parties, or once you're out, you, you it's it's your responsibility that you, that you don't get someone else sick. I mean, at that at that point, you've taken on that responsibility. But I don't know how you, I don't know how you get your average statist to realize that it's their responsibility and it's not government's responsibility um i don't think you're going to i think that that people are just raised to um to quote respect authority and that they don't know anything they don't have any free will other than what they're told they have so yeah i'm sure for sadists it's very black and white it's like well can i was i told not to okay then i can't Right. They don't even ask themselves, well, do I have the free will to do so? Does the government have the have the responsibility or the authority to tell me what I can and cannot do with my person? So they're not going to ask themselves those questions. They're going to just go, oh, okay, I can't do this. That's why you have people who um, they'll see, you know, 
they'll see eight people standing together and they'll call the police and say, I just saw a group of people over the, you know, allowed limit, or I just saw a store that's open that shouldn't be open. You know, they're, they're, they're appealing to authority because that's what they're, they're ingrained with. They, it's instantly, if I don't understand it and it's, it's something that, that disturbs me, call the police because that is what I've been trained to do. And it's, it's disgusting, <laughs> honestly. Um, and the question is, how do you, how do you get, like you said, how do you get them to, to question that and, um, and to become less of a statist? And I don't think there's really a way to do so without, uh, I don't know, <laughs> just hold him down and, and have him read, read some Hazlitt or something. You know, I, um, <laughs> or some Rothbard. <laughs> I actually tried that with a, um, a, a guy, I'm, I've known him since high school. We live in different states now. We just communicate through Facebook. And um, he just recently blocked me. He he uh, he blew up on me and blocked me. Um, and it it started just about the time that this coronavirus thing started. Um, he had, his kids were sick. They went all over the country. And when I say that, I, I, I kind of mean it literally. They actually went out of state, and he was posting updates about how his kids had fevers and, and he was really worried about it. And, and, uh, you know, when, when somebody finally called him out on that, he said, well, Hey, look, I abide by all laws. I abide by all rules and nobody's told me I can't do this or that I shouldn't do this. Um, you know, you're, you're totally correct. Um, in your assumption there, they, uh, some people are just going to be that way. And, you know, this this guy was showing pictures of taking his kids to the gym and letting them swim in the pool after they had all three of the kids had confirmed cases of the flu. And he took them out of school. He's got them in all these different places and taking pictures. And uh, he said there's completely nothing wrong with that as long as there's not a law or a rule against it. And, uh, yeah, so finally I had enough of that, and he ended up blocking me. A guy, and and I've yeah, known this guy for years, but, you know. Yeah, that that comes back to that whole, you know, um, like you said, being responsible with that, with that freedom, I guess. Um, and again, part of coming back to the not pressure principle is that you should not put someone else in danger because that would be immoral. You know, you can't, you know. It would be immoral to uh, for a a person with AIDS to to have consensual sexual relations with another person, mm -hmm. but not notify them of their their disease. Uh, so that's I think that's the point where people need to to start asking themselves not only is it legal or not, but kind of the the morality behind the legality or illegality. Right. And I don't think people are getting to that point where they're making that question. They're not questioning, they're not going through the steps in their brain and pushing past the, Oh, it's a law or it's, or it's, or it's a freedom, but they don't ask why. And I think that is probably one of the biggest problems we have here in probably the whole world is that no one's asking why. They're not digging deeper than just what they what they've been taught. You know, they, I, you know they say, um, what do they 
what's that adage? Something about school is temporary, but education is forever or something like that. But if you're not learning uh, on a consistent basis, then you're just kind of cheating yourself. Right. Okay, so um, kind of kind of along the lines of that personal responsibility, another thing that, that seems to be a big topic is um, like at least around here, if you go to a Walmart, which is and I don't know about in Washington, but around in this area, Walmart is it's your go to. If you need to go to the grocery store, you go to a Walmart. And um, with even with their reduced hours, it seems like their shelves are always empty. Um, so they've they've went and they've put all of these restrictions on. Basically, you can only buy one of anything anymore um, if, if you go to a Walmart. I've seen the pictures of the of the uh, notices that they've posted. Um, so that gets me to thinking about uh, price gouging uh, versus supply and demand. Um, you know, talking to people through social media, again, they're they're begging government to step in and to. Um, and to halt what they're calling price gouging. So I, I don't know. Maybe I could get your uh, your thoughts on uh, price gouging. Uh, what you think about what you think about anti price gouging laws or or any of that? If you have an opinion on that. Uh, yeah, I do. I I've heard plenty. Well, actually, I think it was back. Was it Katrina? I think it was down south. They had that uh, hurricane, and um, a few years back. And there's a bunch of stuff in the news about uh, stores, quote, you know, in quotations, price gouging uh, for water or for whatever else people needed. And it was at that point then, I believe, it really kind of became more clear to me that you know you have a you have a, com- a commodity that's very it's 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 scarce, and you need to f- to find a way to keep a commodity in stock so what variable can be used to help it stay in stock would be to adjust the price so if you adjust the price up you're going to have people who are going well i have a hundred dollars or fifty dollars and i need to buy water well if it's only you know uh three bucks for a case of of 12 or whatever you're going to go hog wild and buy yourself you know, a few cases of water, probably maybe even more than you need, which means the person that comes in behind you will find that the stock has been depleted. Now, if you raise the price of that water to say, you know, uh, six bucks a case, you know, you double the price, sure, and someone could say, hey, that's not fair because you doubled the price of that commodity. You doubled the price of, of that case of water. I can now, I can't afford as much water as I could before. Well, that's very true. But it also it dissuades you from hoarding, hoarding that water for yourself, although you can afford it, which leaves more supply for the person behind you and the person behind them. So I've had this conversation with a few people, and it usually ends in frustration for them and frustration for myself, too, because I just can't understand why people don't understand that, it, sure, it looks bad. It does, The optics of it are not good. You don't want to see a grocery store selling something you know, for you know, five times what it usually costs. But at the same time, 
if you want to have something in stock, you need to adjust the variable of price. Um, but that's my that's my opinion. I'm not sure. How, what do you what do you think about price gouging? And uh, I'm 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 right there. I'm right there with you on on all of that. And I've actually had people tell me that you know I'm I'm for killing people because because I'm for adjusting prices to um, uh, to avoid hoarding basically. And you know I I can't seem to make anyone well not anyone I can't make the 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 average person understand that it doesn't matter if a gallon of uh, a half gallon of orange juice if it's if it costs three dollars it it doesn't matter if if they're charging three dollars for a half gallon of orange juice if it's not on the shelf if it's not there it doesn't matter you know that I can afford it or or it's the same price as it was but if they raised it to five dollars for a half gallon there wouldn't be as many people thinking that they need to get three half gallons and I might actually have a chance of getting it uh, you know there a, a lot of the people that I've uh, interacted with seem to think that the uh, seem to think that the uh, that the market these private businesses that they will enact their own policies that are that's going to stop this hoarding and at the same time, they want to say that, you know, if you've got a big family, just send everybody in separately and have them all get one, you know, one of each item and, you know, uh, or um, or catch the uh, cashier with their back turned and get more than you're supposed to get. And, you know, to me, that comes back to that personal responsibility. Me, just as a person, I'm going to go to the grocery store, get what I need, and I'm back out of there. I'm not going to go in there and try to buy up all the bread that they have. Um, I would be happy right now, you know, if I could get five pounds of flour, I mean, we can make bread, right? Um, but I see these other people going in there, you know, and, and the last time I was in town, I saw people coming out with huge carts of groceries and everything, I don't really think they needed all of that. I think they were, you know, they were hoarding it. But um, now I'm just kind of rambling on the subject. But yeah, I am completely against. Uh, I'm I'm against hoarding, and I'm against these uh, anti-price gouging laws. Definitely. Well, it's it's kind of you can't please them because either they complain that everything's been purchased and they say someone is hoarding, you know that person hoarded all the the bread, um, you know how dare they? But then you go, then they'll go, well, hey, they mandated that uh, the price of bread went up uh, fivefold, so now we can't afford so much bread. Well, which one do you want? You're either going to have the scarcity, or you're going to have the commodity on the shelf at a higher price. Pick one. Right. You know, you, you can't have both worlds, and they don't understand that either. And I forgot the the. Have you are you into praxeology very much at all? No. Um, the, the human action uh, by Mises. Well, he. I forgot the dang term for it. But basically, what it is is that. Ah, uh, gosh, I'm embarrassed. I don't recall the what it's called, but. The basic premise of it is is that if something has a certain price on it, say, let's go with an apple, and 
you know, an apple is, let's just use a round number, a dollar for an apple. Mm-hmm. Well, you buy, you have one dollar, you buy an apple. Okay, well, there's, you want to buy a second apple. Well, your need for that second apple goes down because you have that first apple. So you may not want to spend a whole dollar on a second apple. So once you get, say you buy a second apple, where the desire for the third apple is even less. So it right. kind of is a self-regulating thing. So I believe that also plays into if, if, you, if you raise the price of a commodity to, enough to make people think, okay, well, I bought one now, I've bought two now, but, you know, I don't, now that I have the first two, I'm not sure I need that third one right. because the price point is put at the perfect spot to dissuade someone from, from hoarding, basically. And, you know, the funny part about that is, is that I learned that in the ninth grade in public high school, you know, and I'm wondering why nobody else or or very few people picked up on that. Um, it, it's almost like they're they're willing to. They don't want the responsibility of controlling their own purchases. They want, you know, they want an outsider government, the state, whatever you want to call it to set that for them, going back to what you said earlier about the uh, the morality versus the legality of it. Right. And to me, that's just crazy. I don't know. Um, if you don't mind me changing gears... Yeah, if you don't mind me changing gears just one more time. Um, so... I haven't been keeping up with the whole uh, the whole stimulus package that they are uh, that they're proposing. I'm not sure if it passed or not. I know that they're talking about two trillion dollars on the uh, uh-huh. for a stimulus for a stimulus bill, and I'm just wondering um, thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of um, yeah. If they send me a check, I'm going to cash it. But at the same time, I see where it, I, I can see where injecting two trillion dollars is basically going to um, it, it's it's going to lower the it's going to lower the value of the money I do have. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, if you'd like to, you know, if you'd like to talk about the stimulus or if you just, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think they passed it. I'm not quite sure. I, I've read that they were going in for a couple more revisions, um, so I'm not sure if it passed right. yet. Or, yeah, so I'm a little bit on the fence there. But yeah, I, I believe like you, you said, it's two trillion dollars um, to aid uh, in a number of things going to the states, uh, going to the airline industry, um, just going to different sectors to help prop up economies or, or, or businesses during this this crisis and but like you said earlier it's I have, I have two views on this one of them is who cares because the economy is so out of control as it is right now um, the national debt is at, at points now where it, it can't even be touched right uh, just to just to make payments on the interest of the national debt takes up a huge proportion of the uh, GDP anyway. So, you know, where do you, where do you go from here? I mean, you know, we, you know, Peter Schiff, who's a, a guy I listen to on his podcast, mm-hmm. he's a, he's an economist. Um, and he, he's called this QE infinity. Um, 
aside from the stimulus package itself, but also just the QE going on, right. it just seems like it's insurmountable. I, it's like a runaway train. I'm not an economist. I don't claim to be one. I'm, I'm just a guy with a podcast. Um, but just from my novice perspective of it is that it, you know, it, it's a fire that's burning and just adding more gas to it. And I don't, there's no, there's no fire trucks coming. So, uh, you know, sure, print away, print away and, and, you know, give everybody money and bail out everybody again. And it was the matter at this point. You know, if it were, if this were even 20 years ago or even 40 years ago, I would be more concerned. But at this point, I believe it's just off the rails and there's not much anybody can do about, you know, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but I'm, com- I'm coming off like that, though. It just seems right. like nothing can really be done at this point. So, well, yeah. It, make that make that printer go burr and we're good to go. It, it it doesn't sound like you're being too pessimistic. It sounds like you're being uh, pragmatic about it. And about the best thing I can say is at least we both live out in the country. Um, Amen. <laughs> but uh, okay, so I see. Yeah, we're at, we're at about an hour. Um, I don't know if you have any if you have any final thoughts you'd like to. Um, to uh, depart upon uh, on anybody who may be listening, or um, if you want to, if you want to talk about chickens or or uh, raised beds, I'm all for that. How much time do you have? <laughs> oh, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've, all the time in the world. Um, we tried the raised bed. I should ask you, how long do you want? I should ask you how long do you want this show to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an hour would be good, but but um, uh, okay. But you do have uh, chickens. You do have chickens, right? Yeah, we um, right now. I'm actually looking at the at our coop, and um, we have 21 chickens. We got we got a straight run, so we weren't aren't quite sure what we got yet. But we think we've got a couple of roosters, and the rest of them would be uh, all all hens. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about two weeks old right now, I believe. Uh, they're looking good. We lost three earlier over the last couple of weeks, um, just to whatever reason they were protected. Right. They were warm. They were fed and watered. So I guess they just didn't make it for whatever reason. Um, but, uh, but yeah, how many chicks do you have? We uh, we just have uh, thirteen. We just have thirteen at the moment, and uh, they're all younger birds. But but they they are laying now, and uh, oh good. Yeah, they're all they're all hens. We had a rooster, and uh, for some reason he didn't make it. I'm not really sure what happened there. It wasn't a predator, you know. I, I, no signs of illness, so I'm not really sure what happened. Um, so we're on the look. We're on the lookout for a for a new rooster, and uh, and uh, they they lay pretty. Uh, they're pretty productive, even though we only have thirteen uh, chickens. <laughs> we sometimes we have more eggs than we know what to do with. Uh, I can only imagine how well they will produce this uh, this summer. Um, the kids really. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm just looking forward to the fact that this is our first group of, of chickens we've ever had. Uh, we moved from a place, like I said, up in uh, up north down here, where we weren't able to have any any livestock. Um, but we had 
we had eight raised beds there and I've been kind of, you know, playing around with planting things and I was able to actually have a pretty good garden the year before last, but last year it just got so hot that it just, it didn't produce very well. So we're hoping that, um, that's one good thing again about this neighborhood here or this living in the country is that we have people around us with uh, tractors and, and things like that and the know-how and the experience of living out here. And we had a couple come over, was it last weekend to help us do our, our, our beds. And um, he brought his John Deere out and, and made quick work of it. So um, everything from, uh, from you know, tilling the soil to shaping the beds, it, it looks good. I just need to get some black plastic on it, which I actually bought the other day. I just haven't put it on. It's been raining recently. But I need to put that black plastic on so I can let the uh, uh, the grass and stuff get Die killed out. off. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we put some good compost in there, so I'm hoping that I can get these starts in the ground soon, like I said earlier, because they're you know they're, they're getting big, and <laughs> I'm worried I'm going to start losing some of them, but uh, you know, I figured the first year of us doing this at this scale is going to be very educational, and I'm I'm sure we're going to have to a lot of uh, a lot of failures here, but also, like I said earlier, a lot of education to move forward to next year and, and have a better, more rewarding experience next year. Yeah, last year was our really our first year of having a garden, and um, we were pretty lucky with it the way it turned out. We learned a lot last year, so so this year we're. Uh, we're hoping for even better results, but you know, kind of to end this on a on a positive note, we also we live around people who are um, they're friendly and they farmed all their lives. You know, they maybe it's livestock and maybe uh, some people have uh, do have gardens or whatever, but people have really helped us out a lot. You know, they, they'll just stop by and ask if we need some help. We've had people bring us uh, load after load of ch- of um, goat manure, cow manure. We have all the mulch you could ever ask for. We um, there's a a sawmill just down the road, and they will give you all the sawdust you can you can uh, drive away with, and they'll also give you their scrap lumber. They make cross ties, so they have. Um, they have long, irregular-shaped uh, planks, basically, that run about 10 feet long, and they will load you up. All you have to do is just drive down there, and they'll give you you know, whatever they have. And that's been really helpful around here. Uh, we've used some of those scraps to build raised beds, but I think this year we're, we're basically going to go with everything in the ground. We're not, we're not, we don't need to use the raised beds here, so we're just going to go straight into the ground. But... Yeah, the people around here have really helped us out. Um, so I guess that's kind of a positive uh, to end the show on. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look, look at positives, um, in, in this time where we're all cooped up in our homes, uh, even if you have a small apartment or whatever, uh, there's, for some reason, growing vegetables is very rewarding. It's, it, it's, it, you use your hands, you use your brain, there's research involved. Uh, unless you're just a, a natural at it, but um, you order seeds online. Um, we went with uh, Johnny's seeds and 
high mowing seeds. And I'm telling you, these, these seeds are the best seeds we have ever used. Uh, we used to buy seeds at Home Depot and things like that, but right. uh, we'd have kind of maybe 75% success. But these, these ones are like, like on steroids or something. They're mm. great seeds. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. If you're stuck inside and you're bored, um, and grow something it could be something as simple as uh, you know we, we have um, green onions that grow so easily and so well uh, just sitting you know on the, on the shelf and right. in the our, our sunroom um, and you can just actually get those from the store and just chop what you need up for you know for a salad or for a meal and just put the the, the ends you know the root ends into a glass of water or into some soil, you know, it's nicely moistened and boom, you've got uh, onions growing. But, uh, but yeah, that's, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. I think to keep your mind off the crap that went on. And, um, anyway, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and hopefully this will all be over soon and it'll just be a bad memory and we can all go back to uh, living our regular, our regular lives. Um, I do appreciate. Yeah, it'll be it'll be over eventually. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I do appreciate you taking the time. I know this is a weird hour. I'm a night owl, and uh, my kids, my kids don't go to bed until like nine or ten o'clock, and uh, this is really the best time, the best time for me. And uh, I'm glad it worked out because I, we've we've emailed uh, back and forth, but it's really great to actually get to talk to you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I appreciate it a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe in the future we could collaborate a little bit more. I won't put you on the spot on that, but, um, uh, but, uh, maybe <laughs> I would like to, um, and if you don't have anything else to say, I guess I'll just, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up right here. Can I throw some, uh, my, uh, email in there? Oh yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're good. Uh, yeah. So my email is, uh, well, God, <laughs> I just had a brain fart. Let's start with my uh, with my Twitter. It's uh, at TVC podcast, and my Instagram is voluntary contrarian, um, and my email is voluntary contrarian at gmail dot com. And I pulled my head out of my ass there real quick. Okay, and you don't have just a podcast. You you do some writing as well, right? Yeah, I've, I've done some writing over at um, – I had one at the Libertarian Institute published, um, and then I've had a few articles published over at um, – oh, good God. This is, this is what happens when you're I, almost 50. I put you on Your the spot. Away. Um, you did. I'm starting to kind of feel like I'm Joe Biden here for a second. <laughs> um, everythingvoluntary.com. So over everythingvoluntary.com, you can look up Voluntary Contrary, and you can see it probably have half a dozen uh, articles up over there. All right, cool. All right, well, thank you for your time tonight. I'm not really... Yeah, my pleasure. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my very first guest on Front Porch Anarchast. And I want to say that I think it went pretty well. You may have a different opinion, but... Um, Anything that went wrong in that interview was uh, was uh, all on my end, and I hope the audio turns out to be pretty good on this. Uh, it's the 
like I said earlier, it's the first time I tried this. I hope it's not too um, too echoey. I know some people are really particular about the audio on the, on their podcasts. But, you know, with Front Porch Anarchast, you get what you pay for. Um, oh, this might be a good time for me to try to pay some bills. If um, I, I do still have a side gig, and uh, I, I'm locked down at the moment. The good news is, is that I have plenty of t-shirts here on the homestead. So if you're looking for a one-off t-shirt, or if you're uh, looking for maybe a decal, if you're looking for a sign that says coronavirus free or, or something like that, Feel free to uh, shoot me a message to frontporchanarchast at gmail.com. And uh, again, I'd just like to really thank Jared over at uh, Voluntary Contrarian for uh, being my guinea pig the first time here on Front Porch Anarchast. And with that, I'll just wrap up the um, wrap up this episode. Be safe. I hope you all survive this coronavirus uh, scare. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchast. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchast on Facebook.